This is the Lakin Chronicles Road to Recovery podcast with addiction specialist, Dr. Greg Lakin. Real people, real stories, real addiction, and real recovery journeys. The Road to Recovery starts now. Hey, Dr. Lakin here. Just, I have another couple that has um, unselfishly agreed to tell us their story a little bit in hopes that it will help others. Um, they can tell you the struggles of addiction and they can tell you uh, what what helps them and, and what, what makes them regress. And so um, both are just starting a program again and they've been through programs separately before. But let's let's just hear their story. We have Ricardo and Heather. They they um, you know have a relationship and, and, and uh, but but their addiction started even before that. But Ricardo, why don't you just start from the beginning and tell us how the addiction got started and what the addiction is to and then how it progressed. Okay. Um, you know, I'd have to say it was when my parents got a divorce when I was about 11. It was the first time I ever used because um, I, it was kind of a traumatized, I grew up in a very like Brady Bunch kind of house. It was kind of perfect, you know, and there wasn't no chaos, nothing, and everything had its place. And, and my dad, he provided for us and they, they got into a fight and I've never seen that before. So it was kind of traumatized. It kind of threw me off. <laughs> So I from I remember the next day I, I went to hang out with my friend and I just started smoking weed and I I don't know why I don't know why I felt like that was the right thing to do or something but I think that laid the foundation for how I deal with um, things I didn't want to deal with <laughs> I guess um, it's so you learned early on how to escape yeah how you were feeling at that time yeah you know? and I I. I yeah, that's it, man. <laughs> I, I wish I could go back and change that, but uh, because that that has affected my life so much. <laughs> and you know, at that age, you have no life experiences. You 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 don't know necessarily what what you're doing. And so, and then it progressed from weed to yeah. Well, uh, the weed it it lasted quite a while. My until my dad caught me, and he um, he told me. He was going to start UA and me, and he told me that if he caught me with any, I would be grounded for months. And and I I was I was trying to do good, and not get grounded, and get my grades back up. So I I quit doing weed just long enough. Uh, well, uh, just to do pills actually. Yeah. <laughs> and then this was in high school. I was I think I was like a junior in high school, just popping uh, like lower tabs and oxys and you know volumes just just because I could get them. And, um, and then what did that do for you? I mean, some people do it for euphoria. Some people think it makes them feel more normal or it certainly calms them down for a little while. But but it starts a... Uh, you know, I, I think um, my mom, she kept telling me, she was like, I think you're trying to mask or you're trying to, it's a symptom or, you know, you're trying to, and I think it was my uh, social anxiety, my social anxiety and depression that I, I didn't know I had. Um, I, I didn't understand it. I thought that was just life and you were just supposed to deal with it. And I, I know now that it was actually something much deeper, possibly a <laughs> mental disorder of some kind or a chemical imbalance. And it, I mean, if I would have known that a long time ago, that, that would have saved me a lot of headache and a lot of trouble. Because it took me, actually, I think you you were the one who really pointed something out and I took that medication and my whole outlook changed. <laughs> right, yeah, we started you on an SSRI, yeah. you know, something something to get your serotonin back up and 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 stabilize your mood basically. Yeah. And, and and so you're right, but, but when you I mean you progressed when you were taking pills to and they were mostly opioids and then you got into other stuff as well. I mean you're you're in that world now. Yeah. I suppose. So when you were at your worst, what were you taking? Uh, I was, I think I was taking about 160 milligrams of Oxycontin a day, it was my highest. It, it, yeah. Yeah. And how were you taking it? Uh, intravenously, I, to be, I mean, I was mixing it also with meth at the time, I was speedballing it, and I, I really liked that combination for some reason, it's, you know, it's dangerous, it's, uh, good and I honestly one of the I think it's a blessing that you can't get oxycontins that you can <coughs> shoot up nowadays. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's, right. that's a blessing for me because I I probably would have 
overdose if you know if I could still get those things. All right. Well, so. now they got the carb fentanyl laced counterfeit pills that look just yeah. like oxys or oxycodone, and people are dying. And so you probably I don't know if you have friends that have done that, but or lost some friends. But certainly, I appreciate the renewed effort. And so we we you you did good for a while. Yes. Basically, <laughs> we put you on. I was on Suboxone. I think it was. I know this is a long time, I think four or five years I was on Suboxone, it's about that long. And my, I didn't really notice how good and how much better my life had gotten until I, I lost it. And when I lost it, like, I realized, I was like, I had a pretty good life. <laughs> but to, to me it was, we lost our apartment, we lost our animals, <laughs> everything we owned, literally, just, just gone. Like, just, and it's almost like overnight, it just disappeared. It's hard to explain, but... Well, you had a habit. I mean, uh, and I don't know how much you had to spend for that, but I'm sure it took everything. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't, I couldn't pay rent, I was trying to... <laughs> I was trying to shoot up heroin and keep up with my meth habit, yeah. and those that those are two habits that are very expensive. <laughs> yeah. What kind of um, what kind of money you're looking at? What kind of money did you spend during that time? Well, I mean, there was times that I would spend my whole check, and sometimes my check would be you know four hundred, five hundred dollars, wow. and literally, I mean, <laughs> like my whole check, and mm -hmm. I'd be broke like yeah. the next day. <laughs> and, and you were doing so good there for a while. I mean, we did Suboxone, we had SSRI, you, your your job, I mean, you were you were working well, I mean, you had a stable job, you seemed very happy, you yeah. know, and you talked about a relationship you had that you were very happy about as well, right? Yeah. <laughs> I didn't correlate the two, but I mean, Heather and I had met before as well, and I didn't even know you two were together until I didn't assimilate um, until later, but um, so now... Really, I mean, you got track marks again. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, those are, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, yeah, it's hard. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. 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 So we're going to try this again, right? I mean, today, as of yeah. today, we're going to get on the Suboxone again. Hopefully you guys have a place you can stay at that, that's a good place yeah. and, and, and get away from those triggers. And you, tell me, tell me what your triggers are. You, um... Well, I think uh, any time relationships are a big one, and I I know that uh, I guess a lot of people would say that an addict shouldn't be with another addict, but I I don't think I could be with what I would call a, a square or normal person, and not I'm not you know disrespecting them in any way, as in like I just don't think they could ever understand me. And I, I know they can ne never relate with me on on that level in so many ways. And so, I w the, uh, there's like a gap or a wall that would never be able to span with them, for one. And then two, like, they just wouldn't put up with a lot of things that I, I do. <laughs> yeah. Whereas an addict would. Yeah? They would understand and be able to relate to a lot of that. And I would... And I'm not saying, I know that people are scared that they'll relapse together and they'll just be worse off, but, but that kind of, that depends on a lot of factors. And honestly, I mean, they can be bad for each other, but they can be good for each other too. She can be my motivation, she can be my downfall, but it's the same for her as well, you know? Right. And I, I want to be her motivation. I want to be her one, her step <laughs> up, not down. <laughs> Right. Yeah, no, I appreciate it. And you, you even told me one time that if she wanted to go shoot up or something, you would actually shoot her up for her because you were afraid that she would be in a... I mean, yeah. at that time, that's, and, yeah. and that's all right. I mean, that's at that time, you thought it was a safer environment for her <laughs> yeah. to, be, to be with you and, and, and getting high versus, yeah. you know, God knows where else or when you're not there, yeah. you know. And, and I appreciate... I mean, you've been... You're so intelligent, and you, and you have... Um, I appreciate the honesty. I appreciate... And you know, part of it is is I, I want us to follow you, I, and I, and it just it, it puts more pressure on you, perhaps. Yeah. You know, and maybe more leverage to actually do well. And I and I agree with you. I I think couples, couples, the right, the right spouse or couple or girlfriend or boyfriend will make you. They will either make you or break you, yeah. and you guys can support each other when one's weak. Yeah. Or you can take one For down. Sure. So so I mean, if this is a healthy relationship. We'll find out. You yeah. know, we'll find out, and that's and that's good. I appreciate um, that, yeah. Heather. Yes, an addict. I mean, an addict is an addict. Relapses always 
-hmm. You know, whether you're with a normal person or another addict, there's always the chance for a relapse. So just because right. two addicts are together doesn't mean that they're going to keep relapsing. Right. Mm -hmm. Nope. And, and I've told Ricky before, if we can stabilize your mood, you know, and, and get you out of that fight or flight, get you out of that, that primitive part of your brain that's running the show with regard to you just... It only cares about the next 10 minutes. It doesn't care about tomorrow. It doesn't, you know, and, and that's why you don't feel in control. But once we stabilize your mood for a while, you know, higher level thinking brain part starts to kick in and, and you will start to feel back in control. And you will start to look at the future and you will start to love again. Higher level thinking stuff comes back online once you're out of that crisis mode. But Heather, you, you I mean, yours was probably medical when you first got started on pills, right? Pain pills? Yeah. I am. Um... Yeah. I had surgeries, I had a bladder disease, and uh, well, I was pregnant with Aiden, actually my third child, when I got first put on pain pills for the last trimester, and then um, a year, I had a hysterectomy a month after having her, and then a year later, I had a surgery, I had interstitial cystitis right. I was diagnosed with, right. and um, I had a lot of, you know, I had a lot of bladder pain, and, you know, they tried the medicate. There really wasn't a medication for it. There was one that, mm -hmm. you know, you could be, but you had to be on it for six months to a year to even know if it was going to work. And there was no, you know, guarantee that it was going to work. And it didn't right. work for me. So basically I was told I was going to be on um, pain management for the rest of my mm -hmm. life. And that's kind of what started me on opiates and um, the summer before I moved to Wichita before I started seeing you mm -hmm. was when I had that surgery and they had me on um, fentanyl patches and so you know um, I struggled coming off of those and then I came to see you and um, I was on you know the I think was it oxycodone maybe or vicoprofen something but it wasn't helping so you put me on methadone for the first time and um i didn't like <laughs> the way it made me feel i was like awake one minute asleep the next minute didn't even know i'd fallen asleep and you know i'd be waking up and you know i couldn't take care of my kids that way right. so it was either treat my bladder pain or be a mom to my kids and um I chose to be a mom to my kids, so I, my kids were going to Dodge for the summer to visit grandparents, so I was like, that's a perfect time to come off my pain pills, and I didn't, I should have came to you, but I, I didn't realize how dangerous necessarily it was quitting taking them. And we're talking probably 15 years ago, yeah, at least, yeah. probably, because that 2005, was back in 2006. I moved to Wichita yeah. in 2005, summer, More. September 2005. Yeah, so that's... And that was back in the day where, I mean, it was kind of chronic pain management with episodic pain. Mm -hmm. yep. And so we were trying to figure out, interstitial cystitis is certainly a tough one. Well, you know, yeah. I, it's... A lot of doctors really didn't want to treat it. They didn't, I don't know, if they, I don't want to say they didn't necessarily believe in it, but it was just like nobody really wanted, they didn't know how to treat right. me, and so they didn't want to deal with me. You know, I had a doctor, I probably went to every urologist here in Wichita before I came to you. I was, I was frustrated, and I had a doctor that I went to. He literally walked into the room, opened my file. He said, you've been on this, this, and this. You tried this, this, and this. He's like, well there's nothing I can do for you, shut the file, and like walked out, and I'm just like, <laughs> okay, like, so much for what that. am I supposed to do with that, like, yeah. thanks, and I'm paying for this doctor's appointment, I luckily I had insurance, but I still had, you know, to pay, I didn't want to be on pain meds, but I didn't, um, I come from a long line of addicts, you know, I know what was in my blood, um, my biological parents both were addicts, you know, my mom, was 14 when she became pregnant with me, 15 when she had me, did acid when she was pregnant with me, drank when she, you know, was pregnant with me. I mean, I was probably born an addict. I was probably born addicted to God knows what. And um, alcohol, you know, I have fetal alcohol syndrome. You can't really tell it in me as much, thankfully. But um, it, so I started my life as an addict. Um, you weren't dealt a very good hand to start off with. I've had a very, yeah. tra sure. had a very dramatic life. Um, sorry. No, I, I appreciate I'm very you telling emotional. Your story. It's been yeah. a hard 11 to, to 
10, 11 months. It just sucks. And like this. And you're not in a good place right now. No, I'm I mean, not. In you, a good you, place you have been before. You know you can do this. I know I can. I remember I'm just when you first came, you were a lifeguard, and and and. Um, I get my yeah. life together, and then it mm -hmm. falls apart. And then I get my life together, and then it falls apart. I get my life together. I just I'm tired of the roller coaster. I'm just tired. I'm tired. Um. And then, I mean, so the children aren't with you anymore, or are they? Mm -hmm. They're they're not. Well, let's work on that after we work on everything else. Um, let's do that. What happened with that? I get to see my kids now, talk to my kids now. I mean, that's a huge uh, plus, but uh, what turned me to meth and heroin and mm -hmm. I tried coke and I, anything else, I didn't care, I was doing drugs, might as well do everything, try everything. Uh, I didn't become an addict until I was 33 years old. Uh, my kids got taken from me and uh, my kids were my entire world, you know, as a mom one day, and then I wasn't. Um, my generation's the generation where our parents were raising our kids, right. you know, and cause, you know, we want a social life, we want a party, we're not ready to grow up, and our parents, you know, love being grandparents, so. Right. But my foster parents, I grew up in foster care, um, they never adopted me, but they were my mom and dad, too. Um, so I have two moms, I have two dads. And uh, when I became pregnant with my son, um, I was 19, had him when I was 20. No, I had him when I was 20. Or, I'm sorry, I'm tired. I've literally, I've been up for, what, four days? So, mm -hmm. you're getting to see the effects no, of that. I get it. Well, I get so, um, yeah. and I'm emotional, and i got a lot of shit going on right now. This is like a new beginning. I, I, I know, it, I mean, you're going to look back on this, and you're going to say, if people that, want to hear my story, yeah. then they need to see the good, bad, the ugly, all of it. Because, this is, I mean, this is real life, you know. Mm -hmm. It's not just TV, you know, where they show, what is it, the drug things, where they follow PD people. These, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. this is real life. This is real shit. You know, you're getting to see, you know, what the effects are, everything. I mean, look at my face. I am an emotional picker, too. I stopped picking for a very long time. I'm pissed off at myself again because I started it up, but I can't handle, you know, the emotional shit going on. So if I'm standing in the bathroom picking at my face, I don't have to face anything. I'll have to, you know, do anything. I don't have to. I'm just in my own little world. I want people to leave me alone. And I just, I'm pissed off at myself too because I just, I thought I had. I was done with that, but also at the same time, like I think it's kind of a um, self-sabotage thing, you know, like um, when I was with Martin, he used to get really pissed off at me and tell me how ugly I was, but I, you know, with him, you know, you know the mm -hmm. problems and everything, but I always right. felt like a trophy wife, a trophy mm -hmm. girlfriend, and you know, he liked to show me off, so yeah, mm -hmm. I'm ugly now, what, you know, you can't show me off anymore, yeah. you know, and now Ricky too, you know, he's just like, babe, he's like, you gotta, we fight about it, but yeah, I think it reminds me of, like, the things Martin used to say to me, mm -hmm. and, and it just, dry, I, I get pissed, and I go off on him, and I just, I don't know. I've got all kinds of, but this is this too part of it. Mm -hmm. So. Um, well, and you got track marks, right? right yeah. Really? I this do. is more from. I have methamphetamine. scars. Uh, yeah. Yep. Especially right all the new scars. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that was an abscess. Uh, that was an abscess from heroin from yeah. the you know years ago, yeah. um, and that's that. So that's that scar. So. Right. That you can see. Yeah. And it's hard to find a vein now, I imagine. Huh? Oh yeah. Very yeah. hard. You're shooting where else? Do you shoot? I just, no, just on my arms. Just on your arms? Yeah. Okay. You know, I, I think you're going to do real well, both of them, because mm -hmm. both people here have said they're accountable. Yeah. So they're not saying, well, this person, this person. Say, hey, you know what? Both well, stops here. And, and now they can honestly go back and watch their video and, watch and say, hey, if I'm, because I, it, it, you've been through this before, and I know. And you talk about the frustration and you're so pissed at yourself for relapsing. You talk about that. And, of course, it, it, it takes a couple times where it's like you feel like I, I can't do it. Obviously, it's not, you know, you think you're not strong enough. Every time you try, you fail, and pretty soon you almost give up. Yep. And, and, and that, that is... 
It's a whole range of emotions. Some days, yes. you know, like I'm going to go to treatment, you know, I can do this, I can, you know, and then other days you just ball and because you're mad at yourself because you've been here before and you swore you weren't going to do it and you go through the withdrawals and the, you know, the depression and then you're just roller coaster of emotions and it's just, it runs, you know, you ragged and when you have two of you who are, you know, our relationship, he's the first healthy relationship I've had, I right. think, ever. You know, mm -hmm. first four and a half years of our relationship um, were healthy. And uh, our families liked the other one. Um, you know, I wasn't used to that. My family, my mom took to him and liked him. Like, I'm like, my, if Claudia likes you, <laughs> you're, that's a good thing, you know. Um, we never fought. We never... Um, and I did this relationship right after it. I was with my daughter's dad, Aiden, for 13 and a half. I was with Martin for 13 and a half years. Um, it took a lot for me to leave him. And um, I went to inpatient treatment at Valley Hope in 2012. Right. Um, got out that October. Was clean and sober for about five and a half months and then started back again in January, February 2013. Went back to inpatient treatment April of 2013. Um, I'm a very honest person. I'm honest about my using. I'm honest about, I just, I don't say that I don't tell white lies like when I call into work and I don't feel good but really I'm playing hooky but for them I just don't see the reason to lie and you know like even this last time when my mom and everybody asked me like Heather you know are you well yeah I'm using you know and I don't have to tell anybody that but like I just don't I don't lie about the drugs I use I don't lie about the way that I use them I'm not proud of it but I'm not ashamed of it either you know I have my reasons for doing what I do I don't care if anybody understands it you know um but it's nobody's business I just that so at Valley Hope, you know, I was straight up like um, I made a lot of people mad, and as a matter of fact, I didn't even have a hot seat because I knew, I think they knew my hot seat was going to be brutal because um, I wasn't there necessarily to get clean and sober. I just wanted off the needle. You right, know what I mean? Right. But I'm like I'm probably out here and leave I, if I can stick to smoking, and I. Oh, I do that to myself. Okay, if I can just stick to smoking or snorting, then you know, and I can function, and I right. can. It's just the needle. It's the needle that, yep. you know. But that's that's not true. That's just bargaining with myself, mm -hmm. so I have an excuse, you know, to use. In January, February, two thousand thirteen, when I relapsed, I smoked for a week, and then I was like, screw this. I relapsed. I might as well shoot up again. You know, I'm gonna do, and off I went again. Um. When I got out of Valley Hope at May, um, I was clean and sober for two weeks, and I was off and running again. Yeah. Um, July 3rd, I got I was going down to Oklahoma to see my dad. I had a kidney stone, and I was going to Valley Hope in Oklahoma for a third time. But, you know, it, we want to be clean and sober. We really do, addicts. Um, I think people, you know, like look at us that like they don't think that we do, but really we do. You know, it's just it's addiction for a reason. And you know, a lot of us have traumas, and a lot of us, you know, we do have mental disorders. And and I hate that word because it sounds like, you know, there's something it's wrong with us. And like, yeah, but. You know, whether it's depression or bipolar or schizophrenia or, you know, drugs. We all have a chemical imbalance or, you know, chemical balance that makes us up. Drugs are going to affect us all differently because it messes with our chemicals. Right. Um, I don't like it when people say, you know, oh, they have schizophrenia, they have... Um, because that's it not, not be it's not necessarily it schizophrenia or bipolar or whatever, but it's just drugs affect us, you know all differently it makes us do different things you know it makes us think different things it makes us you know we're not dumb we're aware of the stupid oh, ass right. shit we do you yeah. know with the tweaking yeah. the picking the i mean so, and the one thing like i have a very dark sense of humor and the way that i get better and deal with things is i can joke about my addiction and i can you know i can laugh at myself when yeah i tweak or i tweak out the windows yeah you know everybody's 
carpet pick people. Tinfoil. You know, but when you can <laughs> literally laugh at your, I mean, you know, but that's how I cope. Right. It, you know right. what I mean? But it's, yeah. we, I don't know. I just, it's, it's been a struggle for me. I knew what I came from. I, you know, didn't want to try drugs or do drugs. I was the, um, in my biological family, I was the one who beat the odds because, you know, everybody did drugs, everybody drank, and I, I didn't. But right. and you were um, doing so good there for a while. You did. You had a job, like a, for many many years. Yeah, I did. And, and, and I had a stable job. This last time I got clean and sober, it wasn't treatment. Mm -hmm. I went to jail for seventy five days, and then, <laughs> I over four counties. I had four warrants. I was wanted in Kansas in four different counties. The fugitive recovery team showed up in Oklahoma, swooped me up when I was coming out of the hospital from being treated for my kidney stone and brought me back to Kansas. And it's not that I, you know, I was on the run technically, but I wanted to get clean and sober before I went to jail. I would, you know, when we get clean and sober, we start cleaning up our life and, you know, right. doing those things. I wanted to do that before I went back and faced those warrants because I thought I was looking at one to two years of jail. And the worst place to be going through withdrawal yeah. is jail. I've they been there and care. they don't, they don't care. <sighs> they, they just don't. So I wanted to get clean and sober again. And then I was going to go back to Kansas and face the music and take care of my warrants, but that's not the way it worked. God had different plans. Heather, you've been to treatment this right. many times. That didn't work. I'm going to put you in jail this time, but you know what? That's what worked. I um, When I got out of jail after 75 days, I had 60 days of house arrest to do still, so I did 135 days total. Um, I had three probation officers and three counties. Yes. I wanted I was trying to get out of the relationship with my daughter's dad because it was very toxic mm -hmm. and um I if I didn't I was going to go back to using again and I really wanted to be clean and sober I had 75 days I was ready to do something different I was ready to change my life so um I had to report to probation in Wichita because that's you know where I was living and um I asked my probation officer if they could please make uh, me living in a sober living house part right. of my um, probation because my daughter's dad didn't support it. He didn't want me going and because if I did, he couldn't control me. Right. And I, when I'm clean and sober, he can't control me either. So um, they made that a part of my probation requirement for me. So I was like, hey, I have to go live in sober living or right. I violate my probation. Um, but, and I, uh, and that, helped me a whole lot. I lived in sober living for two and a half years. You know, you have to go to so many meetings a week. That's where we met. Um, we knew each other for a year before we started dating. Uh -huh. We um, we started out as friends. Um, we started hanging out together and it wasn't even, this wasn't supposed to be a relationship. Right, right. I was finally, I did me for a while after getting, I didn't want a relationship with anybody. Um, I had been in an abusive relationship since I was pretty much 18 years old. We got together when I was 38 and it just, I wanted to make sure that I was healthy and, um, you know, I could love myself before I got into a relationship with somebody else. And I did do me and I loved it. So, but I wanted, um, it gets lonely and I wanted somebody to hang out with, but I, so I was like, hey, you know, uh, we started hanging out. He'd been chasing after me for a year and for a whole year and I kept telling him no, but then finally I was just like, you know what? Um, I was like, let's just hang out. You know, I said, uh, but we put stipulations on it and, you know, and I told him, you know, if one gets feelings for the other, we need to let the other one know because if one has feelings, one doesn't, then, you know, we need to break it off. And, um, you know, and I knew his reputation before be we got together, but you know, like, he we, was single, he was, no and I knew he didn't want a relationship with anybody either. So it was safe. 
And um, so I knew he wasn't going to get attached to me. I knew he wasn't going to fall in love with me. I knew he wasn't going to want a relationship. So it was safe. But we started hanging out and it just, we enjoyed each other's company and it turned into a relationship. And, um, and maybe a healthier one. It was like, very healthy. Because you said this relationship, you were bound to determine to do it on your own terms. Yep. Instead of the prior relationship, you were very, you were controlled. I, mean, okay, I was I very controlled. And then, and then how, what did that relationship look like? I mean, did he, did he actually control you with drugs or did he control you? It was very, I mean, it wasn't healthy even from the beginning, but I, uh, abusive relationships don't start off abusive and that's what right. people need to understand. And I get so tired of people saying and hearing, well, you know, why didn't she leave? Why didn't she? People have to understand. They're very charming. They're very um, loving. They're very, um, you know, if an abusive relationship started off abusive in the very beginning, a lot of women would have the courage to right. leave. They work on you. They're, you know, they, um, before you know what's happening, it, they chip at you away, chip at your self-esteem, little by little. They, and before you know it, like, they have you reduced down to thinking that you are worthless you are you know you can't find anybody else you can't um you know and it's you think you love that person and you uh it just went on for 13 and a half years well i moved to wichita in 2005 i was actually leaving him i finally got the courage to leave well he found out i was moving <laughs> So he decided he was moving with us, and so um, the first six months I was here, he had a job where they didn't have a position here, so he couldn't come with us, so he came here on the weekends, and then it, you know, it continued. Um, the kids got taken from us on December 4th of 2008. From both of you? Yeah, we yeah. were together, they didn't, mm -hmm. yeah. And, um, and they were taken because why? Uh... They said that I was addicted to my pain pills, which I had been off of for six months. Yeah. Took myself off yeah. of, okay? I, re I remember that. Yeah. You, I mean, you, uh, addict you doesn't were, take themselves off of yeah. all the... <laughs> you, you thought you were doing everything right. You thought I you was. You were doing everything right, um, and, and it still didn't and matter. And then uh, Martin and I had an incident where when I was taking him to work in the morning, he broke my nose. The kids were not with us. He went to work early in the morning. The kids were back at home. Um, with the babysitter. Well, his parents found out, called SRS on us, and um, of course they came out, investigated, closed the case due to unsubstantiated findings, whatever, but um, then they used that against me a whole year later right. to take my kids away. You can't do that. Like, you close that case due to unsubstantiated findings, you can't reopen that a year later they said that my kids were scared hiding in a cupboard you know because they had witnessed it the kids weren't even there right. they were asleep you know at home so I mean it was absurd and then truancy um, my son had tubes in his ears twice um, his ears started bleeding really bad and um, for two months uh, they kept putting him on antibiotics. I took him to different doctors, the ER. Nobody could tell us why his ear was bleeding. And so he, he missed school, a lot of school those two months. Um, he, uh, I would take him to school some days, and the days I did take him, the school would call me within an hour and be like, you need to come pick him up. You know, his ear's bleeding. He can't be here. Finally took him to a doctor out of network in Hutchison. His tube was embedded in his eardrum. Um, so they pulled it out, and he was able to go back to school and everything. Well, the damage had already been done. Right. The motion had already been, mm -hmm. you know. Um, they, at things, so you're already under the microscope, yep, basically, by yep. different regulatory agencies and social giving agencies. My whole family, the grandparents, everybody knew when I went to Dodge that my kids were getting taken from yeah. me. But me, nobody said anything to mm -hmm. me because they thought I'd take my kids and run. You know, in that or, too, or or relapse again. I mean, honestly, no, I I was yeah. I wasn't on anything. Right, then. right, yeah. Um, There's always that concern, like, oh yeah, my God, this will. Well, yeah. that hurts. You yeah. know, my family, right. like everybody, just acted like everything was normal. December fourth, I went to pick my son up from school, and 
you know, it was just strange to me that he wasn't out there, you know, so I was like, so I went and parked and went inside, and um, I went into the office, and I had seen two police officers and another person, you know, standing off to the side, and I was like, I didn't think anything of it. Then the secretary's kind of, you know, you could you could tell something was going on. So I walked up to the desk and I, you know, I was like, hey, do you know where, you know, my son is? And they were like, um, you need to talk to the principal. And I was like, okay. And so then I'm like, what the hell is going on? Well, then they called me back into the principal's office. It was the principal, the vice principal, two police officers, two people from the state. Um, in a smaller me, town? Uh, no, that was here in Wichita. Oh, that was, okay, yeah, that was here in Wichita. Okay. Um, telling me that uh, I was deemed a danger to my kids and that they had picked my kids up from school. Um, they picked Austin and Aiden up that morning. Ashley, you knew, was sick right. all the time because right. of her asthma and allergies, so she was at home that day. Yeah. And, yeah, I can't imagine a more traumatic experience than actually somebody taking your kids. Um, yeah. I was like, yeah, she's at home sick. Uh, um, and they were like, where's your, you know, where's your home? Where's your address? And I, you know, I had to give them my address. And I was like, can I, I need to go call Martin and let him know right. that you guys are coming. I said, you can't just go take Ashlyn. You know, she has a breathing machine. You know, she's allergic to a lot of things. She's on right. several medications. It's not like you can just swoop in my home and take her. And uh, they were like, no, you can't do that. And I was like, okay when because they said i was going to tip him off and he was going to run away with ashlyn you already have two of my kids like what's that gonna do you know like that's gonna they um i wasn't threatening i, I mean i'm bawling you know like freaking out but i'm not yelling at anybody i'm not being aggressive by this time they had me out in the office again where parents are coming in and out and uh, the police officers handcuffed me and uh sat me there in the office in front of everybody. It's so embarrassing. And I sat there for 30 to 45 minutes and you know, the police officers, you know, you could tell they felt bad and they mm -hmm. even told me they're like, we really didn't know what we were up here for. They right. said, we just got a call, you know, we had to come to the school. They said, they never tell us that this is, you know, what it's for. Like, we're really sorry, we have to handcuff you, but it's part of procedure and I'm just like, where am I going to go? What am I going to do? You know, like, parents are just looking at me, you know. So what happens after all that? I mean, how... Um, how? We had to have supervised visitations with the kids. We didn't get to see the kids for three, four weeks. Um, we had to go to court. Um, I didn't be, start using drugs until nine months after my kids got taken. Uh, Martin was cheating on me the very that night that the, he um, I was at home by myself because he was off cheating on me. Like I had nobody. My mom. But at, the, at that time, you me. felt pretty much abandoned. I'm assuming. I was, I'm yeah, I was. But you know what? Nobody. I wasn't. I didn't use. Yeah, I yeah. didn't. Uh, but yeah, I was alone. It's I went through that alone. Um, was there a trigger? Like you said. Until nine months after that, was there another trigger? Yeah, I told Martin if he didn't quit cheating on me that I was going to cheat on him. Mm -hmm. And I met somebody, and I actually didn't cheat on him. I left him. Mm -hmm. The guy that I left him for introduced me to meth. Um, I smoked on a Thursday, August 24th, smoked on a Thursday. By Sunday night, midnight, I had a needle in my arm. Mm -hmm. oh, That's all she wrote. Yeah. I well, what got does, what to, does meth do for you? What does it do for you? Um... It was an escape. I didn't have to think. I didn't have to feel. I didn't have to. Uh, it felt amazing. Like, energy. <laughs> it was um, endless energy. I guess well, <laughs> when I smoked that Thursday, like I had a headache, a really bad headache, and like it, my headache like instantly went away, and I was just like, oh my gosh, like this shit's amazing. Where's it been all my life? You know, um, when I shot up, like it's. It was euphoria. It was, um, I didn't care. You could have right. sat there and, like, I don't know. I just, yeah. I didn't care. It was, I mean, right. yeah. But the person that introduced me to the needle um, kept me up and didn't let me come down for almost a month and a half. When I would start coming down, he would shoot me back up and take me back up again. 
and I was so high that month and a half that like literally the walls were booming, the ceiling was booming, the, you know, I mean it was, but I wasn't sad, I was happy, I didn't, you know, but then he took it away from me completely and that crash, um, the depression, the, yeah, it's an escape, but eventually you're going to have to face that shit. And when you get off of it, the depression is... Yeah. And then nothing else is exciting in your life, right? Yeah, and most and you go from, here, yeah. and then, the, like, yeah. say Coke is here and meth is way up right. here. Uh -huh. And you got to get back down to down here, mm -hmm. and then hopefully, if your you're lucky, to, you get back up to normal. Huh? Right, your brain, it takes a while for your brain to reset. It's yeah. so used to full You get on, cloudy, you get... Such a big drop. Know, <laughs> yeah, it, it's just... But also, too, like, I don't know, sometimes, like, you get a tolerance, you know what I mean? Yeah. So you're, yeah. you're constantly chasing that boom, right. boom, you know, that euphoria. Yeah. that, And sometimes you get it, sometimes you don't. Mm -hmm. But also, that it just becomes your coping mechanism. Yep. You know what I mean? And then you're on the hunt all the time, whether it's yep. opioids or methamphetamines. Uh -huh. Or avoiding DTs. Yeah. 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 Doc, isn't there a... You know, I've heard of people that jog and they find that euphoria right. in an in a unrelated, sure. not a drug yeah. uh, atmosphere. Is there something? Can that oh, really you can, happen? You get dopamine surges from everything from skydiving to working out to even even a good relationship. You get dopamine surges. But I mean, you can expect a 30% increase, 20%. But methamphetamines, 400% increase. 400% increase. So <laughs> it, takes, it totally yep, rocks your brain. So yeah. the people that do methamphetamines, they don't care about the other stuff. They don't care necessarily. I mean, it seems a little yeah. blase or anticlimactic. But and women love it because it helps them stay nice and skinny and and pretty for a while, you know. But uh, there's there's a price to pay. I like what you said when during relapsing, like. You get better, and then you think, oh, I can handle it as long as I don't go IV. Yeah. Or I can handle it as long as it's just pills. You bargain can, with yourself yes. so you can keep using, yes. you know. Like, it's your yeah. excuse. It's yeah. your, you know. Um, yeah. And I, because I am that way. I, you know, I still do that. It steals you know? your it's, youth, though. I mean, and we kind of glorified it there in a way, but it, trying to, there, there has to be good to make you want to do it. Mm -hmm. But it literally steals your youth. Like, it, it speeds up, like, your aging process probably by like 10, you know, right. like 10 times, I would say. Like, yeah. I, I notice my teeth, they're starting to chip. I, I know I'm starting to get gray hairs every now and again. I'm 34, <laughs> like, right. oh, yeah. and I don't heal. Yeah. I don't bounce back like I used to. I like, you know, it's, it's like you're just, burning up like a well, supernova. Yeah. The further you get in your addiction too, though, you just, you don't, but you don't care. You don't care. Yeah. Yeah. And that's part of the addiction is <clears throat> you're only worried about right now. Yeah. That part of your brain, Fight or flight's running the show. You're only worried about the next 10 minutes, the next yeah. day. Yeah. You don't care about the future. And that's part of the judgment that goes away when, when we're... That when I think about the future, the it scares yeah. me. It overwhelms me. Mm -hmm. It, um, you know, I just... I don't want to deal with it. I don't want to think about it. Yeah. You know, I just don't. I just want to think about the next five minutes. Nope. Nope. Yeah. You're still in, in, in that... Fight or flight reactive world. It's just where we're at. Like even when everything's fine, it's not fine. Something's wrong. Yeah. And the neat thing about it is we have other testimonials and other other people telling their story where they've they've gone through treatment. They're doing great. They got their kids back. They got their job. You know, is it exciting every day? No, but it's it's, I it's well worth it. I miss and, our uh, boring life. Yes. Yeah, we yes. were a boring. We like were a boring couple. <laughs> you know, we. Yeah, um, I miss it. Yeah. It was. Uh, we were a very boring couple. We liked to stay home, watch movies, you know. Play Xbox. He would play <laughs> or Xbox, or and I would lay there and watch Netflix. But we spent time together. You know, we went to our jobs. We came home. We were together in the evening, you know, relaxing. But I missed that. You we're know? now homeless. No Xbox. No animals. <laughs> yes. Like we're, we didn't know where we were going to sleep. <laughs> like the trigger the last time for I'm as a, a couple. I'm an emotional user. Okay. Um, he brought it home. Mm -hmm. I don't blame him for my relapse. Our families, I think, blame each other. Mm -hmm. You know, it's my, my family. <laughs> well, because he brought it home. So, well, mom, you know, if he wouldn't have brought it home, then you wouldn't have used it. So he tempted you. But I was just like, it's my fault. <laughs> he, no, it's not your fault. Well, I'm a grown woman. I can make my own decisions. I, I could have flushed it. You know, you shouldn't have, but. 
It was really, her I birthday, mean, and he came. I'll tell you what happened. He um, came home and he's like, "Babe, I got you a Christmas present." And you know, I had five and a half years clean, and really, Stupid. I had yeah. uh, got him clean and sober off of heroin. I got him clean and sober off of alcohol. So I really, you know, he got clean right. for me, and um, I really wasn't expecting. The meth, and uh, but so I was like, okay. I thought it was like I don't know, candy, jewelry, something. I don't know. So I was like, okay, what, babe? And he's like, you sure you want it? And I was like, yeah. So he pulls out this bag, and at first, like I was just like, She's and like, I was like, is that really? He's like, like, what is that? And he's like, uh, meth, and he's like, you don't have uh, to use uh, it, you know. He's like, you can flush it. He's like, go no, flush I, it. No, I went to the bathroom. I was like, I'll flush it right now. Just say it. And, 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 and I know we're both addicts, and it, like it would have been hard, but I would have done it. He would have if I would have asked. If she, him all she had to do was say it. But she was like, "No, let's <laughs> hold on to it. I can handle it this time. I know." Well, but she yeah. didn't do it oh, for like yeah. a whole week. I did. Oh, really? I held on to it for five freaking days. I put it up. I hid it. And yeah, hid it from me. Even, yeah, from him. And he didn't. Ask, he didn't ask me for it at all. He he told me to put it where he didn't know where it I was, which I was it. going to anyway, because you know you got it for me as my Christmas present. Yeah. Thank you. But um, I did hide it from him because you know he had just gotten clean and sober off of alcohol. He's an addict, you know. Right. But um, and I wouldn't have been mad at him if he would have done a it. A little but, more to that, though. No, but I did. As I put it. We were having some tough time because your daughter left. That's what I'm getting. I'm getting. Life got was starting to get kind of like we were down in the dumps, and we were like, "Man, something's got to change." I think part two. We were both struggling. I don't think he realized. He doesn't. He knew of my childhood. He knows I've had a traumatic life, but he didn't realize like really what it was going to do to me. Um, My anger issues. um, I. I'm an angry person. I've been an angry person my whole life, rightfully so. I've been through some major fucking shit. Um, but, you know, the first time I went to Valley Hope, you know, they have these tests that you do when you first go in. They have these tests then when you leave. And, of course, there was a lot of anger, a lot of... But when I went back in April and did the test again, Jenna, my counselor, she's like, Heather, I want you to look at both your tests. She's like, see your anger here? She's like, you've gotten more angry more you know <laughs> this last time around well duh you know like um I didn't deal with it but when I got clean and sober that last time I thought I had you know right. he had never seen my anger like I think part of it scares him because mm-hmm. I can be a scary I person and, I, and yeah, he doesn't yeah. like um, my dad, my mom didn't teach me that because we didn't deal with it. But it, he it hasn't ever seen it either. And you know, it was so nice because I did. I like would sit there and think, like, when was the last time I was really angry? Now he seen me mad. Don't get me wrong, but he is the like mellow, chill part. Mm-hmm. And he and my sponsor Misty are the only two people on the face of this earth who have ever been able to actually talk me down when I get angry and that shocked the shit out of me too because I go from pissed off from you know zero to 60 in you know less than 0.1 milliseconds but he just he always had a way of mellowing me out and you know so it was just nice to have that um, we balanced each other and he made me want to be a better person and he made me want to so I really thought I had the anger under control I really thought that I had dealt with you know my issues and things and you know we were happy and you know we are in love and we are um, it just I have an amazing relationship he makes me want to be a better person you know my kids were accepting of him um he's cool with my kids he he allows me to be me he doesn't try to change me i'm not a you know he doesn't like to show me off he loves me for what's inside not just what's on the outside and you know um tells me i'm beautiful makes me feel pretty i don't look like that <laughs> I don't no we're, look we're like gonna this, have you know, I, you know we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna track so, your success just, absolutely we're, we're, we're gonna follow the your way progress, he so. looks at me just yeah. for the first yeah. time in my life like i feel um truly loved you know what i mean he doesn't try to control well mm-hmm. 
Okay, <laughs> he on the drugs now, yes he does, but when he's clean and sober, no he doesn't try to control me. Like this is, this is new to both of us, right, you know, yeah. it's um, the reason why I'm still with him, because I said after my daughter's dad, I won't be in another abusive relationship, but it wasn't abusive for four and a half years. Um, it's the meth. The meth turns people into people that you say and do things you normally never would, you know, and I've told him he's a completely different person than the person I, you know, that I fell in love with. And my daughter came down to visit, you know, over the summer, and she's like, Mom, she's like, Ricky's not, I'm like, I'm like, not Ricky, and she's like, yeah, she's like, I don't, like, Aiden struggles. When he got drunk um, last December, or, I, I can't remember what it was, but Aiden saw a side of him that she had never seen, and it scared the shit out of her, but I was scared, too. I thought he'd relapsed on heroin again, right. like, it was... When he drinks, like he he doesn't remember what he says, what he does, and um, well, it just but it scared my it daughter. It was Christmas night. I blacked out, and it, no, this it was scared the time me that, that night. It's, and I, yeah. I my family was so upset with me that I literally I haven't drank since then. <laughs> like I took I stopped. I actually <laughs> well, took a video yeah. of him and showed it to him, and the look on his face, like you could tell the disappointment. The um, it wasn't me he, yeah, because it wasn't him. But you know he he has you know remorse. He has guilt. He has you know because he know we know that's right. not him. No, he's got a good heart. Yeah, yeah. Ashlyn, mm -hmm. my eighteen year old, mm -hmm. I haven't seen her yeah, I haven't seen her in nine years her dad got her and cut her off from everybody yeah. in my family when she turned 18 mm -hmm. she came home the oh. week after yeah. she turned 18 I was so excited was I was big. so you know yeah. like um, she moved in with us and but it was um, there were problems there were uh, you know it just we struggled and it was um it wasn't the happy reunion yeah. that uh, it wasn't that clean and no it wasn't no. um ricky <laughs> even you know he tried to be there for me the best way you know that he could he stayed there's times that you know he wanted to say something to ash because he could see mm -hmm. how hurt i was but he didn't want to hurt me he didn't want to run my daughter away so yeah. he kept it to himself um Ash and I had a huge, huge falling out, huge fight. It devastated me. It hurt. It. Um, that's why I started using like, yeah, like, again. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yep. This is why. Yeah, this this is, is why I relapsed. Um, <laughs> well, and you know, I'm not trying to blame that. But no. No, it, I'm, it is well, true. Well, you're I, only as strong yeah. as your weakest moment, and so yeah. our, our. I'm an emotional years, user, yeah. and I. Yeah just got her back in my life and I lost her again and I can't, you know, I just, um, right. so I was like, fuck it. I had meth this five days. I held on to it for five days. Oh, yeah. I was like, fuck this. I don't want to feel right now. I was like, babe, I was like, you want to do it? And I knew he'd say yes. <laughs> he was like, yep. So in the bathroom yeah. we went and, yep. uh, you well, know, and that's all she wrote. Before I brought it home, though, like, I was at my work, actually, and this is just spontaneous. Like, this this, this was not normal by any means. My co-worker walked up to me, and I, I, am, a, I am a fiend. I straight up, I am an addict. Yeah, he's I, I, very through and through, an you put something, <laughs> you put a pizzle, which is a, a meth pizzle or meth pipe in mm. front of me, loaded. Like I don't think you know. I don't it's, think an army like an opportunity can for him. Yeah, pipe. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. It's just, no. I don't want to see it. I, I can't. I? I can't make eye contact with that. Right. Out of sight, out of mind. I do pretty good actually. Yeah. <laughs> but um, as soon as I saw that, and he was like, "Hey, you want to hit this?" I, mm -hmm. And I was like, "You know what?" Even though I, in my head I was saying, I was like, "Stop." Yeah. Like turn around, walk away. Yeah. And I was saying it so I was screaming it in my head. But I I just yeah. saw my arm just reach out and grab that pipe yeah. and I just started and I knew what was gonna happen. I knew it. You know, they they, they study the brain now and they actually show that you know, the, the memories we have for drugs, if they're euphoric, if they're good, if they're linked to good stuff, 
it, it links it with strong feeling in her hypothalamus. It links it with strong. So when you talk about when they talk about addiction, you know, once an addict, always addict. They just mean it's linked to the emotional part of your brain, and it never forgets. It never does. Mm -hmm. So the frontal logical part of your brain, it can forget. You know, it, you know, but 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 the hypothalamus never forgets. So if you associate it with good stuff, you're going to go back to it. If you associate yeah. it with bad stuff, and that's really what we want to do, and we want to make it that part of your brain calm down. Retreat. We want to make that part of the brain calm down, and it will. And then you'll start to feel back in control. When you felt all that anger, it was fear. It's always fear. Anger is always fear-based, but a fear that you were losing control again yeah. over your own over your own welfare. So, One thing Ricky yeah. like he notices yeah. about me because I don't like I've smoked weed. You know, mm -hmm. I've done edibles, but I don't like the feeling really right. of it because I don't like the out of control feeling. Right. I don't like the mm -hmm. and I don't really necessarily get drunk because I don't like and he's just like babe he's like you don't like not being in control mm -hmm. do you? and I'm like no I don't like I don't um but I so I like to control the things that I can control you know um I had five and a half years clean and sober, and you know, I always said that I would like to think if somebody put meth in front of me, mm -hmm. um, the more clean time you get, right. like, I would be able to say no, I'd be yeah. able, but I'm, you know, I live in reality, and on, I can say honestly, I didn't know. Right. Um, well, meth was put in front of me, yeah. now we have that answer, You know, so, that's some of the no. problem with any patient. I mean, you, you can, anybody can put in a sterile environment could mm -hmm. get clean, but then you're right back into the same triggers, yep. the same... Yeah people the same you know so our plan going forward now you're at your worst or pretty close to it at least no, you're but this time we're doing something different right bottom, yeah. you I mean, get yeah. it goes faster every time you oh, relapse you, you hit yeah. your bottom yeah. you hit you lose Twice everything fast. faster mm -hmm. yeah like we had a an apartment you know i got uh, an apartment in my own name yeah. yeah that was huge like i was right. so excited because they ran my credit they did a background <laughs> check i was like babe i don't know <laughs> but i got approved and <laughs> yeah. That was awesome. huge. Like right. I didn't That's have to have Martin for that. <laughs> yeah, I didn't like... have to have my parents for that. I didn't have to. I did that. Mm -hmm. You know, I was so proud, and you know, we paid our rent, we paid our bills. I was good at budgeting money. I didn't spend outside my means. Um, you know, I had to get an extra job, but like we weren't well off. You know, we lived paycheck to paycheck, but we weren't hurting. We weren't hurting. <laughs> and, you know, and I would lay there. I have my a relationship. You know, I have my kids. I have, well, Austin and Aiden, and then, um, you know, and then Ashy, and, you know, I had a job that I had for five and a half years right. that I kept getting promoted through. You know, I became a manager, you know, and I loved my job so much, and, you know, you know, Heather, we're going to get back there. And I, that, that, that's why I want, yeah, to, I want I, people to know that we're going to get back there. And we're going to get back there because we're going to do medication-assisted treatment, which is going to stop craving the withdrawals and help stabilize your mood. It's it's mm -hmm. the it's the long half-life and the stabilizing that helps get you out of that reactive fight-or-flight state all the time. You'll feel your brain start to shift. You know, you'll feel, and then we're going to work on making sure if there's an anxiety disorder or or anything else. And it's hard to diagnose that when you're in this world, the drug world. Yeah. But once you get out. You know, if there's an anxiety, a depression, or whatever, we, we will make sure that that's stabilized. We will. And then pretty soon, we're going to have an update with both of you guys. We'll have an update. And, and, and you can talk about how things are going. Okay. And, and I anticipate that they'll be going quite well. And I anticipate that you'll start to feel like you're getting control back, that you're starting to think about the future, that, that your love is growing because it's higher level, you know, stuff that... Yeah. that, that, that we kind of goes engaged. on the back burner. Yeah. We're engaged. Yeah. Well, now, yeah. now, now you're. My engagement ring got pawned. That's how bad. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's okay, babe. I think a few of those but rings people, are down. No, people that. Yeah. need to know that, yeah. like you know, and it makes that was me a big sick. Yeah. And but yeah. we had no food like we need I understood yeah. why he did it mm -hmm. makes me sick and I throw it in his face and I use it against him just because mm -hmm. we're chaotic Lashing or out, we, yeah. Yeah. the meth makes you crazy it makes yeah. you it you know sometimes you don't even know why you're angry like it just right. makes you like oh like yeah. I don't know why I'm angry I'm just pissed off at yeah. you right now I don't now. need no, groceries I'm I'll go buy men you're already skinny yeah. like um I 
am in a probably a little girl size 16 right. clothes right now. Like, yeah, and we, I'm skin and bones. Like that's you were size healthy. what in the early Um, days, I or? was in a size uh, probably eight mm -hmm. women's. I'll yeah. show you, like. Mm -hmm. I shouldn't be this skinny. This is right. how skinny I am right, right. now. Like, it's sick. It's, yeah. I can't stand to see myself naked. I can't stand for him to mm -hmm. see me naked. Like, right. I can't. I feel... You know, most girls like oh. being skinny, but oh, yeah. 150 pounds is healthy for mm -hmm. me, you know? Right. I miss being healthy. Um, when I went to treatment the first mm -hmm. time, I started running, mm -hmm. and um, that was my... Um, my meditation, my, and I was running all the time. Yes, very therapeutic. And, you know, I miss that. I miss, I miss life. I miss. We're going to see the change. We're going to witness the change. You know, we'll talk in a couple weeks, two, three weeks. We'll talk again, you know, in a month or after that. And you, you'll, 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 you'll feel your body getting back. You'll feel your self-esteem. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. And, and, and thank you both so much for sharing. I mean, it's not easy. It takes a lot of courage to share. It takes a lot of courage. But by the same token, you'll be inspiring others, and then you'll encourage others because you guys can go. I mean, we we, we try to convince I don't people want to, to say, I got this. <laughs> like, I, I got, got this. We want yeah. you guys to have confidence that you got this, and you'll start to feel your brain shift where you feel back in control, and you know you've got it. Then, but say I that appreciate to yourself. Both. I've got this. Yep. Got this. All right. <laughs> well, so. thank you both so much. Actually, you will be an inspiration not just to yourself but to others, and I appreciate you sharing. Okay. All right. Absolutely. Thanks, Thanks for having me. Okay. Dr. Lakin is a board-certified family medicine doctor with an emphasis in addiction medicine and over 25 years of experience. For addiction recovery services in the Wichita area, please visit www.centerforchangeks.com or visit samhsa.gov for a national directory of resources and recovery centers in your area. You can also find these links in the podcast description. Thank you for listening to the Lakin Chronicles Road to Recovery podcast. And remember, you've got this.